0: Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Yes, God is good. God has a plan for our lives. Are you ready for the Word of God? Yes. Amen. Well, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Uh, Well, i tell you what, let's go to Acts chapter 1 first, okay? And then we'll get to Acts chapter 8, hopefully, before we finish. Uh, let Let me catch you up on what we're doing today. Today, we are going to inspire, encourage you to let your light shine. Because God has such a need. He has decided that people are going to get saved... And people are going to go to heaven and they're going to spend an eternity with him based upon how many people we can tell about him. And give people a clear opportunity. Listen, if you happen to be in a a more liberal theological group of people, if you happen to imagine that people get to go to heaven... When, you know, if they do not get to hear the word, if they do not get to hear a witness, that people get to go to heaven um, just because they're good, then you would be wrong. The Bible clearly indicates that God has given us, His children, a responsibility to sow seeds, to cultivate those seeds sown, to water them. And also to weed them. It's important that we not only see people born again, but we encourage people to become a light shining in their darkness and in their world. That people actually change after they get saved. Okay, That they actually uh, become a witness. That's the hope that Jesus has. If we believed that people got to go to heaven if they did not hear... A witness if they never got to hear about Jesus they get to go to heaven if we believe that then we should burn every Bible we should cut the tongues out of every person that is saved we should never give a dollar to missions because the danger is that somebody might hear and not get saved but that's not what Jesus said that's not God's plan he said go and tell He said, make sure you go and tell because everyone who receives me, everyone who is born again gets to spend eternity in heaven. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And one day when we get to heaven and we get to that great judgment, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life get to go to heaven. I know this is not a currently popular doctrine I understand like Billy Graham said he said the Bible is intolerant that's what Billy Graham said about the Bible the Bible is intolerant and exclusive and yet God is the most loving forgiving and inclusive God known to man. God is the most inclusive in that he offers everyone salvation. It's a whosoever will, lest at any time, he that hath an ear to hear. Anyone, any time, from any situation that asks Jesus to come into their heart to be their Lord and Savior, God will save them. He is the most inclusive God that man has ever heard of. He is the most forgiving God. He is the most loving God. He is the most inclusive God. But yet, the Bible shows us a line beyond which God will not allow people into heaven. That line is the line of salvation. And salvation comes to people because they have heard and they receive that's what the book of Romans says in the first chapter how shall they know unless someone tells them no one is exempt from having to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior a personal salvation experience but that in and of itself does not mean that, that they begin to live this perfect life. We also have a responsibility to, to continue to help people grow. I can uh, remember at, at 10 years old, I was, I was a, you know, a knot-headed little boy, <laughs> dirty, living down a dirt road. I didn't have you know, uh, anyone living around us. It was two miles Two and a half miles to my closest friend, closest family was almost that far. We, you know, uh, uh, we 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 lived down a dirt road. We didn't have running water. It was a it it, it was an old house. You know, uh, when we moved there, you could see through the floor. My mom would watch me play under the house. You know, uh, it it was just one of those situations. There was a Baptist church. Oh, about a mile and a half, two miles. You had to go all the way up to the highway. We called it the highway. That's because it had some asphalt on it. You know, that's something. You know, I mean, I, I I didn't have a pair of roller skates. You can't roller skate in the dirt. You know, we didn't have a concrete driveway. Nobody that I remember had a concrete driveway. I don't remember anybody in my childhood. Uh, you know, and lived in that community having a. Con- Isn't that interesting? It was hard. No skateboards. I, didn't ride, I can't ride a skateboard today. I, 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 who would skateboard? I mean, where would I skateboard? <laughs> we lived on a gravel road. I had a couple of friends, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old. I went to school with. We were in the same grade. One of them got left behind in sixth grade, but we stayed friends. <laughs> they stayed in the sixth grade an extra year. We used to say that was the toughest three years of my life was second grade. <laughs> one of my friend's name was David Mears. Another one of my friend's name was Glenn McDonald. His mom and dad named him Donald McDonald. Donald Glenn McDonald. Isn't that funny? We used to tease him about it. And his mom and dad had a hamburger stand. <laughs> True story. I was raised going to McDonald's, and I didn't. When I saw the, my first McDonald's, I thought they copied them. They had a little portable building in the front yard, and they made hamburgers, and everybody went to McDonald's. I was raised going to McDonald's. Isn't that funny? We went to McDonald's in uh, in, in in Paris. Well, I've been to the original one, you know? Sims, Texas, Highway 67. Summers was Summers were uh, were lonely times for me I mean I had a dog and we had some rocks and uh, you know uh, uh, and that was that was about it one thing I I missed going to school not for school sake I never went to school for school I went to school so I could see people you know Uh, and I started going up to church so we could see people summertime I went up there to see David Mears and Glenn McDonald I'd go up there and I'd go to Sunday school on Sundays because, you know, wouldn't get to see anybody else. So by the time Sunday morning got there, man, I'd get up, you know, and, you know, uh, a lot of times I slept in my clothes. So I'd just get up and, you know, and take off and I'd, you know, go up the dirt road and go all the way up and up and around the curves and up and down the hills and get, you know, get out to the main highway, take a left, go down the highway and cross over highway 67. And there was little Sims Baptist church, about 40 people going to church. And we'd go to Sunday school, me and Glenn, or me and Glenn and David, or, you know, uh, the, the, sometimes there'd be one, sometimes there'd be all three of us. But we went to Sunday school, and Lenoy Johnson was the Sunday school teacher. Lenoy didn't have a thumb on this hand. And I used to sit there in Sunday school and just watch him because he held that quarterly. And I'm thinking, how is he holding that quarterly like that? And he, had, he would read out of the quarterly. And sometimes he'd make uh, you know, us read out of the Baptist quarterly and we'd each have to read a verse. And you know, and I didn't pay any attention. But you know, Lenoir Le- 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 Johnson was there every Sunday. I mean, every Sunday. 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old. Lenoir Le- Le- Johnson was just there just for us little old boys. I mean, we, come on now. We weren't there for Sunday school you know sometimes we we'd sneak a little chew and Glenn would raise up the window and when when Lenoy would get distracted and we'd spit out that window he bound to knew it i mean you can't i mean you don't put anything we didn't know you know we just figured we were smart and sharp and getting away with it and and, uh, you know, and but there he would, he would go through the Word of God. He'd just read it. He'd go through the Word. I didn't imagine it was making any difference in my life. And then we'd go to church. Now, preacher's name was Tom Calgill. Six foot six, he wore cowboy boots. I thought about it this morning when I put these on. His cowboy boots were about this big. <laughs> He'd a big old boy. He went to East Texas Baptist College. He went there with with Brother Vaughn when Brother Vaughn was there. And East Texas Baptist College, it's East Texas Baptist University now, but back then it was a college. And he would come out to Sims, Texas and preach for us on Sundays. And, and he became our pastor. And, and, and Tom would just preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. And he would preach his heart out. And I'd be sitting on the back with Glenn and sitting, sitting there with David and, and you know, all, uh, sitting you know, uh, with maybe a girl or two, you know. And, and we would sit back there and we'd pass notes and we would laugh and we'd giggle and somebody turn around in church and go, shh. We always liked the very back row because we felt like we could hide. That back row was, you know, just, just about, you know, it, it was, I've been back in that church since, and I'm thinking, man, how small that church is. <laughs> Whew, the back row was just right there. They, that preacher told me, was he bound to see everything I was writing on them notes of that girl? <laughs> you know, and we just giggled. We weren't, you know what we were. we were waiting on church to be over. That's all we were doing. The reason we were waiting on church to be over and the reason I went to church was because David Mears, his granddaddy, lived behind the church on the next dirt road. And his granddaddy had a mule. And if I go to church, most of the time, David would go to his granddaddy's house after church and I could go with him often and get to ride that mule on Sunday afternoon. And that was just a lot of fun because I had nothing else to do. I was going home to play with rocks or ride the mule. I mean, that's a no-brainer, okay? (laughs) That's one reason I went to church. The second reason I went to church is because Glenn McDonald would steal chewing tobacco from his daddy on Sunday mornings. He'd get some chewing tobacco out of his daddy's stash enough for me David didn't like to chew too much me and Glenn and David every now and then but not much he would bring that chewing tobacco to church and oh when all three of us showed up I was just so happy to be at church I was just so happy to be there because as soon as pastor Tom Cowgill would say amen whoo, I was looking forward to a chewing tobacco mule riding afternoon And that's why I went to church. I didn't, uh, you know, if something happened and Glenn had to, couldn't make it after church, we'd try to chew a little in Sunday school. <laughs> or between. Uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, come on now. It just don't get much better than tobacco chewing and mule riding for a young boy that didn't have nothing but rocks to play with when he got home. I didn't listen to what was being preached week after week after week I didn't really listen to what Lenoy Johnson was teaching in Sunday school I didn't imagine it was making any difference one morning in July of 1967 a Sunday morning I was sitting on the back row with Glenn and David Kay Durham was sitting over there we passing notes we're we're giggling we're, you know, just waiting on him to say amen. I don't know what he's preaching on. Probably something out of the Bible, you know. Would you stand, he said, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Well, we, he said that every, nobody ever went down there. But that morning, I can't tell you What he preached on, I can't tell you anything other than the fact that when I dropped my head that morning, had my hands on the back of that pew, something got a hold of me. Something indescribable something invisible something so tangible something spiritual got a hold of my heart and began to pull on me and began to try to drag me out in that aisle as he was there as he had done every Sunday morning trying to get people to come to the altar trying to get people to come down forward trying to get people to to acknowledge that they needed Jesus and it was it it was probably no different than any Sunday morning for anybody but for me it all of a sudden became real, and if something was pulling on my heart. I know today it was the Holy Spirit. I know today that Jesus Christ had my number, and even though I hadn't been listening, even though I hadn't, I couldn't have told you a word he said, yet the word of God from Lenoy Johnson and that word of God from Pastor Tom Cowgill, it had been hitting me in a way that I hadn't realized. Seeds had been sown in the cracks of my life, and when I wasn't paying attention, God was paying attention to me. And pulled on my heart. I'm talking about I felt almost a physical pull. So much so I held on to that pew. I imagined I was the only person in the world that had ever been physically pulled like that by a spiritually force, a spiritual force. And I just held on. I held on because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was going to happen when I got down front. And it seemed like something embarrassing. I didn't, I just I just didn't want to do it. I wanted to and I didn't want to. I was in this struggle and finally he said amen you're dismissed at that moment it was not about tobacco chewing or mule riding at that moment i i didn't even say bye to my friends i hit that door out that front door across that little dirt parking lot i went down the highway crossed over that four-lane highway running I ran to the post office, I took a ride, and I ran down that dirt road, down the hills and up the hills and around the curves. And I ran, and as I I was running, I could see as I was approaching my house, I could see that that my mama was out by the well. She was out there under an old pear tree that we had. I could see her out there, and she was working. We had a garden. It looked like she was just tending to something, just being outside, and boy, up across that ditch I went and up across where we had a garden planted, I ran through the garden, and I ran all the way to to that pear tree to my mama, and when I got there, I was huffing and puffing, and she, she said to me, she said, you okay? I said, yeah, mama. Mama, what happens when you go down in front of the church? She turned around and said, you've been wanting to go down in front of the church, son? I said, yeah, Mama. Yeah, I've been wanting to go down in front of the church. She said, well, let me tell you what happens. And there she told me about Jesus. And there she prayed with me to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior out under that little old pear tree. And there I got born again. Jesus saved my soul at 12 years old. In July 1967, that Sunday night I went back up and I talked Kay Durham into sitting with me on the second row when it, as the preacher was looking out, he was right over there. I was sitting on the second row. And let me tell you something, I didn't wait for him to do anything but just step down front and into the altar, and man, boom, I hit that altar. And there, uh, I, I told him I'd got saved, and he turned me around and told the church I, that I'd got saved. And the next week, I think it was, they water baptized me on a Sunday night, and and, and there I was saved. I was born again. I I, 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 I was a child of God, but that's where... It stopped I can tell you I saved I can tell you that everything I ever did wrong from that moment forward I got convicted over I never was able to do something bad without feeling bad about it Now I was around a bunch of people never felt bad about anything but man I just feel so bad about it I just feel you know didn't keep me from doing it but I just feel so bad about it no one's fault but nobody ever told me about the life changes that i needed and about things i needed to do nobody's fault you know i i mean i could i should have had good sense but i didn't i was not born with good sense consequently i i got married i've been 18 years old one month when i got married to my first wife <laughs> And there she sits over there <laughs> and uh, <laughs> still in high school and we began fussing and fighting arguing mostly because I wanted to have kids and she didn't want to have kids she finally said well I tell you what if I ever was, was to have kids it wouldn't be with you Oh, it was tough. It was real tough. For years. And then, one day, a missionary witnessed to her, and she got saved. And it changed her life. But not only did she get saved, she started going to church. I had kind of swore off church. I had had a couple of bad church experiences, you know. We went and visited a church we lived in Louisiana visited a church would you believe that they sent those deacons over to visit us on on on, on like a Tuesday night and interrupted me and my buddy having our normal drinking time my buddy was passed out and I couldn't hardly stand up here a couple of deacons come and knock on the door I got so upset I told Brenda after they left my buddy belched and woke up in the middle of it and offered him a beer Brenda was so embarrassed, but I was angry. I said, "Brenda, I tell you what. Naila, listen, let me tell you something. We will never visit another church. We will never go to another church. How dare them people send people to visit me in my home?" Uh. <laughs> so I wasn't going to church. Well, when she got saved, she started going to church, and boy, I fell under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Bad. I realized that, that no longer did, did we have problems. Now I was the problem. I was still wanting to fuss and fight and kick and scream and, and you know, uh, and, and, you know just, just be me. I'd feel bad about it later, but I just, you know, there was just, you know, but there was nothing on the other side of there but, but you know, some love and understanding and prayer. Ooh, you don't like to tell somebody's being bad that they're being prayed for. And on top of that, the place she went to church, those people started being nice to me. I'd see them out in public, and they was nice to me. They'd even walk all the way across the road to, to smile at me. And they knew me. I had been drunk for two years. They knew me. They knew I was liable to do anything. And they, those church people were nice to me they'd smile at me they'd see me in the store and they just and they'd invite me to church I tell, but I ain't going to church I know I ain't going to. listen you need to go to church it's helping you it was she was it was helping us her going to church was helping everything let me tell you cuz Brenda was born mean <laughs> and a cusser It is the truth that I stopped smoking because ashtrays were heavy, and I was tired of dodging them and the ones I didn't dodge. She knocked me out with a bottle she threw at me one time, hit me right in the head, knocked me slap out. We were fighters, and she got saved it was the best thing ever happened in my marriage.! Whew. She was getting better. She was going to church and it was helping her. I could tell it was helping her. I could tell that you know, she was working through things. And I could tell things were getting better and, and church was working with her. And so I said, you know, you need to go to church, but I'm not going to church. I ain't going with you. But I'd feel guilty. I'd feel guilty. I'd feel guilty. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. She never tried to make me feel guilty. And those church people wouldn't try to make me feel, feel guilty. They just kept being nice to me. And that was making me angry. They were being nice to me. They'd, you know, put a smile on their face and they'd invite me to church and I was just not happy. But there was a reason why. You know, her her pastor named Frank Broadwater, tremendous man, you know, he got saved and became a preacher through a side door somehow. You know, like me, I wasn't born a preacher. This big, strong, smiling African American come to me and he'd say Ron, you know you you ought to come to church with your wife i go well Frank, I'm not going to go to church not going he'd laugh and he'd pat me on the back he'd hug me sometimes I liked it but I didn't want to show it <laughs> why, why don't you people leave me alone well they really got one day asking me really really straight well why won't you come to church I said I can't, can't tell you why I don't, want, I don't want to tell you why but I'm not going to church I wouldn't didn't want to tell him why finally I, I, I told him uh, uh, and, and Brenda you remember why I wouldn't go to church right because I like a disco and she chose to go to a church She chose a church that was at 2.30 in the afternoon, and that's when the disco bar opened up. And I wanted to disco. I mean, come on now. I was disco king. That was my reason for holding out on church. Can you believe that? That was my one reason. I feel a little dizzy. I wanted to Disco. I was going to be the next John Travolta. I had platform shoes. They had the heels on them this high. They were cream and brown. I had a nice little one of those one of those leisure suits, light blue one and a light brown one, both. You know, and they, they last forever. They're, they're, somebody's wearing them right now in some foreign country, some mission place that I gave them to. You know, uh, uh, listen, I, I, I had an Afro wig that I wore. It was big and it had a blonde streak right through it. I had a medallion and a bag I carried everywhere I went, and I was disco-king. That's the truth, and that's why I wouldn't go to church with her, is because I had something I was doing, and I was I was getting better. And they just kept on, so finally I went, and then I went another time, and then one another, and you know. That gummet. It started changing my life. I got a little sad when I realized that I wanted to go to church instead of discoing. <laughs> Something's happened to me. I started wanting. Uh, 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 just being around that made me start. To, I mean, it's like you know everything's okay until you eat grape jelly, and then you want more. And then I fell under the conviction of the Holy Spirit to give my whole life to Him. These couple of men in the church, they started taking me aside and meeting with me, and they started teaching me how to grow in Christ and the responsibility of reading the Word of God and praying for my family and encouraged me to pray with my wife and not just for her or about her. And began to encourage me to 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 fellowship other saints and 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 to begin to openly live a better witness and i began to grow in christ and 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 to this day now all these years later these you know four decades later I'm still growing in Christ because of the regimen that I have that they left me with early on encouraging me to attend church and to hear the word of God and to put the word of God in my ears to sing the songs uh, that, that, that lift up the word of God and, that, and 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 to open up my heart for God to use me to work you know, in my life and to work through my life and let me tell you it's been a journey, it's been an adventure it has been a wonderful life filled with joy and filled with goodness and filled with such productivity my children and my grandchildren have never known the sin that was so prevalent in our lives so prevalent in my life they have never known how how deep I sank into despair they have never seen that and I know that it has impacted their lives and my grandchildren's lives and for generations God will continue to deal with my children's children's children because of what I did in responding to His Word. It makes a difference when somebody takes time to share the Word of God with you. You see, all that time that Lenoy Johnson was reading that quarterly and having me read the Bible out of that little book and we'd pass it around and each one of us would read a verse... I wasn't listening, I wasn't paying attention. Every time Tom Calgill would stand up in that pulpit and preach the Word of God, I didn't think I was listening. I I, I didn't care. But yet there was a caring, loving God that was finding any way he could to get his Word and his Spirit into the cracks of my life. And I have found that the Word of God changes me. And not only me, but the light that shines out of me changes the lives of others those men that took time to cross the street and invite me to church, those men that would smile at me and put their arms around me and pat me on the back and tell me that God had a plan for my life. I didn't think it was making a difference. I couldn't wait to get away from it. But let me tell you, it was changing me. It was changing me from the inside out. I had been born again. I was a babe in Christ for years. And all of a sudden, the investment of others in my life began to stir me to a greater maturity. I began to desire that sincere milk of the Word of God. I began to want to be in a place where someone was sharing the goodness of God, and that changed my life forever. Praise be to God those people who will dare to share their testimony. Dare to share their life. Dare to let their light shine. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says that you shall receive power, not any power, but you shall receive power to be a witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. These are the last words Jesus said before he was uh, uh, taken up into heaven. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me. You're going to receive something in your life. Something is coming to live in you. God is going to live in you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is, is, is that close proximity of people around you, your family, your friends, people who know you, people who know who you are. It's hard to be a witness around people who know you because whenever I began to, to, to let Jesus change my life and live in me, I began to shine a different light. And people around me, those people that were closest to me our family our friends they knew me it was hard for me to live my new life around them it wasn't easy because they had seen how I was they they knew me and they knew but something changed and I became a witness to my little Jerusalem and little by little here a little and there a little we began to see people break loose get born again and become you know uh, become churchgoers bible readers you know prayers through the years now glory to god i think all of our family is saved all your family my family you know we have continued we've continued to see that light ripple out and the word that they hear Finds some crack in their life and begins to grow. You'll be witness to me in Jerusalem and in Judea. Whoa. You know what Judea is? Judea is the state in which Jerusalem is. And in that state lived all the preachers. Okay? Praise and worship leaders and preachers lived in Judea. Judea is the place where all the tribe of the praise and worship people lived. But also... The proximity of Jerusalem and the temple meant that priests lived all over Judea. Let me tell you something. Not only does God intend for you to be a witness among your family and close friends, but also He'll even let you become a witness to religious people. <laughs> people who, you know, even the singers and preachers. Let me tell you something. It was, it was hard for my family, but it was even harder for the preachers and, the, and, 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 and religious people to imagine that I had changed because they had seen me as well. And then Samaria what does Samaria represent Samaria was a group of people who hated the Jews they were a different culture a different custom and they believed that Jehovah was their God and they believed that the people in Jerusalem they they were imposters they still believe it today by the way I've been to Samaria well Jesus went to Samaria, and remember that, that, that little woman at the well said, well, our fathers told us to worship Jehovah on this mountain right here. We are the real deal, you know, because this is where Moses said, do it. Well, to become a witness in Samaria was a big deal, because you're going to have to cross some cultural lines. You're going to have to cross some, some, some uh, lines of people who are not like you and don't like you. But, Jesus said with his parting words you'll be a witness you shall receive power and you will become a witness to your family and your friends even the preachers and leaders of the church you will be able to be a light shining in their life and encouragement to them and not only that but people who don't like you and aren't like you you will be able to cross those cultural boundaries and those 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 different and and you can absolutely win them to Christ as well and then guess what you can go all over the world Whenever you let your light shine, everyone in the world will see your witness. No matter who they are or where they're from. Just a few years, maybe three years after Jesus went to heaven, the church is growing in Jerusalem. And we get to Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, the church has grown and it's getting persecuted in Jerusalem a man named Stephen who was a great deacon in the church he loved Jesus with all of his heart and his light was shining so bright that some of those religious people took him and killed him they stoned him to death well actually he went to heaven they just throwing rocks at his body but That scared all these Christians in this church. And they began to scatter. And they went everywhere. One of them, whose name was Philip, one of the deacons uh, in Acts the 8th chapter, verse number 4, says this, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They were letting their light shine. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Verse 7 For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and the lame were healed. Now, listen to the results. Of letting your light shine even among people who may not like you who historically have not wanted to hear anything you've said listen to what happens the Bible says and there was great joy in that city that's what happened to me I didn't think I wanted to hear I didn't think I needed to hear I didn't think I was even listening but guess what happened where once there was prejudice and pain and anger and resentment where once there was hurt where once there was all manner of things in my life let me tell you what I got left with whenever people were nice and kind and shared the Word of God with me great joy there is now great joy in this city there's now great joy in my family there's now great joy and let me tell you great joy will be in our community will be in our nation great joy will be in this generation if we the body of Christ if we will become witnesses and let our light so shine before our family and 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 before our, our, our church people if we will let our light shine even among those who we think might not be like us and may not even like us if we will let our light shine everywhere we go in the world the result will be that we will be sowing seeds into cracks we may never realize the life change Lenore Johnson could not have realized the life change that was going to take place in this young boy's life because he cared enough to show up on a Sunday and read this little book to a little knot headed boy Let me encourage you. First, let me tell you, you can make a difference. You can make a difference in your family. You can make a difference in your church. You can make a difference in in, in your broader community and other communities. You can make a difference all over the world if you will dare to just let your light shine and share your testimony, put a smile on your heart, be inclusive, be forgiving, be welcoming let your light shine you will make an eternal difference in the life of someone else going to church singing the songs of Zion hearing the Word of God will make a difference in your life as well there is a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory it's the joy that comes to a soul when they realize they have been born again today if you're not sure that you are saved if you're not sure you're born again just like Tom Calgill okay I do not in fact I will not pass up one Sunday morning without giving you a chance to be saved you you know you may not have thought you were listening today but the Holy Spirit may have a different plan for you let the Word of God become your guide. Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just ask Him into your heart. You can do it out under an old pear tree or you can do it at an altar. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Are you on your way to heaven? Father, lord i just ask you in the name of jesus lord to convict and convince every person here of the salvation which is free that they will find in christ jesus the lord and father i pray that you would meet every need of every person here sir lord that you would bless them lord encourage them increase them lord god that you would help them lord physically lord and financially that you would help them with the relationships god that you would lord encourage them to be kind to others lord to cross lord uh, those lines lord of 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 religious denominational lines to cross those lines of of, of cultural and custom lines lord god to, to, to lord to, to reach out into others lives with a smile on their face and joy in their heart and share the love of christ what we know everyone needs to know for without you no man is saved Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you and keep you and prosper you, encourage you. May God's favor be on you this week. In Jesus' name, go in peace. But don't go in pieces. God has a plan for your life. Amen.